One of the things that I know is a deep part of the game development process is uh, playtesting. Uh, and we don't hear a lot about it. We don't really have a good sense of what it means, except that sometimes it's used as a way to criticize uh, the current state of video games. But at GDC uh, here on Monday, Deborah Henderson, who is a user researcher over at Microsoft, um, she actually gave a whole talk about how user research uh, in the lab that she works in at Microsoft is used to try and improve game narratives. And uh, I managed to uh, sit down with her for a couple of minutes and chat um, more broadly about what user research even is, how it's used by designers, how they get information from players. And we talked a little bit about um, how exactly that translates to game narratives and finding uh, ways to get uh, gameplay and game stories to uh, line up a little more neatly. Uh, it's a really fascinating conversation, and uh, I'm going to toss it over to it right now. Thing where I do think design teams are being very generous and taking a great risk when they come in and are willing to share things that are really early on with people. Right. Um, not only can it be rather painful to watch people sort of struggle through your own games, but it is the kind of thing where you're sort of um, showing people stuff that you aren't ready to ship, right? And so it's something where we do try to be very sensitive to that kind of thing and be very, very polite and quiet <laughs> about it and that sort of thing. Because it is all about making improvements. Yeah. Right? Like, well, let's like kind of start like sort of big picture. I think for mm -hmm. both myself and others that you know don't have a lot of experience with it like what is user research like what how is that different than play testing or is that play testing like so play testing is a kind of funny word I'm not sure what it really means um, right. sorry no it's okay. <laughs> okay so I'm not really sure what it means it's, it doesn't really have a sort of defined term we certainly use it in a particular way when we're talking about it um, within my group which has to do with the um, number of people we're running at once so generally speaking user research is just sort of bringing people into the lab and testing the, um, a game in, that's in production um, with the hopes of figuring out what's working what's not working so that we can generate sort of nice actionable data to come out of it and so we can um, give designers a sense of how the experience that they're designing is actually playing out for the user. One of the things that's really, I think, very challenging about a designer is because they've spent so much time, like, worrying about... They're very close to it, like, they're they're very attached to things that, like, this is going to work, we're going to make this work, right, and exactly. the players won't do it. Right, and the players <laughs> won't do it, or, and the players just don't have all of the information that the designer has, and the designer comes in with a vision and says, oh, this is how it's going to work, it's going to be awesome, and the player's like, I don't recognize any of this, how does any of this work, right? And so that's a little bit of a challenge, and it's great to get that kind of user feedback in it. Um, you know, and it's it's something where the goal here is always to just sort of make the game better. Um, in some ways, it's a little bit funny to say, but user research doesn't worry about making a game good. It only worries about making it better, mm -hmm. um, which, of course, is a double-edged sword in some ways. <laughs> um, and one of the reasons we don't talk so much about all of our work is just because um, it can be kind of embarrassing if you have big issues. Um, and of course, that is exactly what we're trying to identify so that we can actually fix them so that by the time it ships, we don't have um, those problems anymore. Well, I think that that's certainly one of the things that uh, and I think crowdfunding and things are getting better at, at explaining this to players. Like the development profit process, I think, is largely sort of unknown. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I th games are weird because, you know, you think about movies, like, you can kind of abstract it to, like, you hold up a camera. Or, like, books, you write a book. Like, music, like, you pick up an instrument. And, like, games, it's like, well, I don't know, you sit in front of a computer, but, like, that's not clearly, like, you can't, like, game development is such a weird thing that is so cross-disciplinary that, and it's also very messy. So you guys, seems like you guys kind of come in when it's very messy and try and find a path for developers out so they can maintain their vision uh, while also making sure that you know it gets across to the player as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we do that kind of thing. There's sort of a distinction between a vision and how you actually execute it. And so it's the kind of thing where if a designer has a vision but the execution isn't working, we can really help them get that execution back up to the vision. And so I think that's oftentimes where, where we're most useful. <laughs> 
So, so how does that, like, literally how does this work? Like, are you bringing in, like, just groups of people? Like, it's people behind, like, a glass window, like, staring at them? Like, how, how does this actually work? So, yes, it's, it is people behind a glass window. Generally speaking, it's me behind the glass window. And what we'll do, um, it sort of depends on where you are in production. But early on, um, when you're sort of testing out the core mechanics, so things like um, how you attack, how you um, move around your... Um, whatever you are (laughs) through the game, that kind of a thing. Um, We'll bring people in one-on-one and we'll have them play through things and just think aloud as they are doing this. And the reason we do this is because we're really interested at this point in questions of comprehension, of can you do things, can you execute things, can you think of strategies if we give you all these tools? Are we giving you um, really the information that you need to be successful? And this is really about establishing communication between the player and the game to make sure that the player can talk to um, the game and the game can talk to the player in a sensible manner. So we start off with that and we'll do um, bring in um, a handful of people, have them play through a build, have them do a bunch of tasks and talk to us about what's working, what's not working, what confusions are they having, that sort of a thing. Um, we progress through that for a while um, and then at some point after the game has already sort of built in the ways that it's going to teach people how to do this, which of course we test, um, we then start going sort of to a larger scale. So we'll bring in people not in um, sort of six or eight people at a time, but we'll bring in maybe 25 people at a time. And we have them play through sections of the game and answer surveys about it. And the reason we do it that way is because we can then get um, a bunch of sort of statistically reliable data around things that have a lot of variance in them, mainly emotions. Do you think this is fun? Is this a good level of challenge? Um, Is this exciting? Whatever our goals are there. And we get a lot of feedback again about what's working, what's not working, and we try to sort of sort through all of it, find the patterns, and send that back to design so they can figure out how to adjust based on this. Um, There are lots and lots of sort of ways to do user research. People bring in telemetry, they bring in analytics, they do all sorts of things like that. Um, We do spend a lot of time just watching players play, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the question that you're trying to answer at the given time, what what research we do. Um, but we do try to give, just giving designers insight into users is what we're looking for here. It seems, it seems like a lot of what you guys must do is uh, often when, and I notice this when, you know, you know, I write about games and the feedback I get about what I write about is players are very bad at articulating what they like and don't like about a game. Like, like sort of the classic example I always hear is like people will say, uh, like, you know, when you're doing game balancing, like, oh, they'll say like, oh, the shotgun's overpowered. And like, well, the truth of the matter is like the pistol is underpowered, right? But like the player perceives it one way, but how that actions out in the game. So I imagine a lot of what you guys must do, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just sort of like translating the language of the player into something that's actionable for the designer. So I think that's pretty fair. I mean, it's one of those things where Sometimes there's a belief that what we're doing is we're getting suggestions from players and just implementing them. And that, that is absolutely not the case. It's not to say that we don't really love it when people give us suggestions, but there's a reason we hire designers. They're very good at this. They are way more attuned to how things are working um, than a player is necessarily going to be. And it's the kind of thing where if we can understand um, why things are feeling the way they are, then we can adjust things. And, it, and you're exactly right that maybe what we need to do is not change the shotgun, but we need to change the pistol or something like that. That's right. a great example of that. Um, Similarly, it's a question of maybe these people just don't understand how to use these things, so therefore we don't need to change the mechanic, we need to change how we explain the mechanic to people Mm -hmm. or something like that. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff, and the goal is really to just sort of figure out what the player needs to be successful and to have a good time, and then build towards that. Is there any sort of general trends you've noticed, like, doing, I think I overheard that, I think you said you've been doing this for about two years at Microsoft, like, what... Is there any sort of general trends you've noticed, like in terms of games that come in, and then like the sort of feedback players get, considering like 
uh, you must see a lot of like similar types of games come through with similar approaches. Like, what, what have you noticed over the years? Gosh, for patterns. The main thing, we, I will say, traditionally the thing that we fight the most with, with design is actually around how um, actually putting in enough teaching. Um, so this is something where user research is always being like, oh my goodness, nobody understands what you're doing, what to do in this. You really need to explain some of this. And just make the object glow more. Like, right. you need more glowy stuff so players can walk to just, it. Just <laughs> help them figure out where to go or things like that. I mean, there are very, very common problems. Getting lost in a level or something like that. Um, having a, something be way, way too hard is a really common one because sometimes designers will um, tune a level for themselves but of course they've been playing this same level for I don't know how many months and right. so it's the sort of thing where what's fun for them is going to be not at all fun <laughs> for somebody who's like hey this is new um, and they're, they're very common things like that I will say um, there is a degree to which every game is special and unique and we really try to get at those things as well so it's not just simply about making sure that people can get from point a to point b but it's also about making sure that they really have the experience they're supposed to have while going from point a to point b right do you do you find and i find this sometimes happens because of my job um does this ruin playing games for you like can you not play games without like immediately breaking them down and thinking like oh, like, they should have come to us on this. Like, they, this is why, you know, they should have come to us and work on this. Like, do you, are you able to just sort of enjoy games as they are, or are you always thinking and breaking them down? So there, there's definitely a mix of that. I will say UIs <laughs> can drive me crazy um, because it just gets a little bit frustrating where it's like, why, why are the notifications working quite like this? Why aren't they doing something else? But at the same time, um, you know, one of the things that's really great about us is that we're, the way that um, I, we work with Microsoft, we actually rotate through a couple of games, so we're not just on one, so we're not completely absorbed in an individual game. Um, it is something where we get a little bit of flexibility on that, and we get to play a bunch of different ones, and we get to come to things with fresh eyes, which is just really, really important, particularly when you're trying to sort of represent what the user's gonna experience, and they've, they're playing through the first <laughs> time. So that is really, really important. So um, it is a challenge, but it is, I don't think it ruins games. I think they're still fun, so. So can you talk a little bit about what your, your panel actually was about? I believe it was part of the narrative track, right? So what exactly were you presenting here at GDC? So what I was presenting was um, a sort of line of research that we did trying to figure out how user research could best help narratives. Um, <laughs> up until a couple of years ago, we weren't doing a whole lot, at least um, my group wasn't, in part because we couldn't find ways to exactly effectively talk to people. So the way that we're, you know, we were talking about how people ask terrible questions and things like that, we sort of <laughs> felt like that. Um, because it was the kind of thing that the only thing only thing that we really consistently got from players was that story was really important to them. We just couldn't figure out how or why or like how to make things. There's like no metrics to like actually figure out what, what exactly. that even means. Exactly. And it was the kind of thing where we would ask people, you know, is this a good story, is this a bad story? And we get kind of a, oh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> like that kind of response, which is not helpful. And it was very polite and it was like, I can't tell if I should believe them or I should think this is terrible. It just it was very, very hard to figure out what was going on. And so um, we just wanted to, to get a little bit better on that. And we started off by bringing people in and talking to them face to face and sort of thinking about the, the ways that they were talking about things, the things they got excited about. So character was something they got really excited about. And then we sort of went from there and tried to figure out what, what were we not doing so well at? What could we do better at in terms of both how we tell story, but also in terms of the kinds of stories that we're telling. And so what I was presenting today was just a series of methods for sort of helping, helping not just the gameplay while it's through production, but also the narrative and dealing with some of the sort of production challenges. Because of course, um, things like cutscenes don't tend to come in until really late, at which right. point once they're in and you can test them, you can't really change them because right. that's really darned expensive. And so it's the kind of thing where it's like, how do you get a, ahead of a problem um, before it's even really in the game and so things like that. 
do you have any sense of like because some you know there's certainly the the school of design logic that like cutscenes are like a bad way of telling stories because they're like a very old Hollywood sort of way. It's very uh, a movie, very movie approach, and other games trying to do that more organically. Like, do you have any sense in the research you've done, like how players respond to cutscenes specifically? So cutscenes are an interesting one. There are just a certain number of people who always cut, skip cutscenes and get very frustrated if they can't. There are other people who like look at them as a sort of great sort of respite, a break. Um, when we sort of talk to people about cutscenes, they will admit to like going up and like making a sandwich. Well, oh no, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching the cutscene. I'm just, I'm, you know, also getting a snack or something like that. So there are things like that. Um, I think that I do think that there is probably some room for improvement, generally across the board with cutscenes, sure. just because um, it's very challenging to maintain a sense of excitement and pace. That's really important to a game if you're constantly interrupting things with a lot of cutscenes. And I think that's really important. And the other thing about it is just that um, it, of course takes control away from the player and there's you know all sorts of things like that which again can play out beautifully if you do it right but it's about finding finding the right technique for the, the particular sort of thing that you're trying to evoke in your particular story in that moment and not just hating or loving a method because oh it's the right thing to hate or love right, right? as the case yeah. may be. and I have to imagine like the when you talk to players about you know what they consider story like is that the story the designers told, or is that the story of the mission and like their experience? And I imagine it wouldn't be surprising to find the players kind of conflate the two. Uh. Absolutely, and in some ways, I don't care that they conflate them. I, like, I don't actually care when players get things wrong about games because that they aren't getting them wrong as far as I'm concerned. They're just telling me about their experience, right? So it's something where when people talk about this and talk really freely about narrative, it was very helpful because we could figure out what they cared about, we could figure out um, all of the sort of biases and perception that they were seeing, and it's not that they were getting things wrong, it's just that it was a, an experience that was a little bit different than what was intended, and it, that might be fine or that might be terrible, <laughs> and that is something that I bring back to the narrative designer and say, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Does this make you mad or are you happy? Are you really sad? Did we just break your story or is this something where um, this is actually a great thing this is an opportunity. This is something to take advantage of. Um, so an example of that is that sometimes when we're testing, we'll get people who are deeply suspicious of characters. So for um, it is sort of a problem in, in games where you know the princess is always in another castle, and at some point you start to wonder who the hell is picking these castles. <laughs> and if it's always this sort of um, sidekick character who just sort of pops up with like some sweet intel, and then you're <laughs> off to this castle, it, people become very suspicious of, of these people, right? Um, and that's either terrible because you really want to show how you know your main character has this wonderful friendship with this other person they care about or it's a great opportunity to say great let's add a little mystery to this story let's um, mix it up a little bit and that kind of a thing so how you how you handle um, the gap between the user's experience and the designer's intention is sort of up to the designer um, were there any games in particular that you illustrated this in the talk? So I, I did talk, so I talked about a bunch of different games. One of the things that we did is that when we interviewed players, we actually asked them about um, their favorite games. And uh -huh. so we're all over the board in terms of what people personally like the best. And so we sort of tried to talk about just sort of um, games more generally, because really um, what we're interested in isn't at least when I was developing methods, what we were interested in wasn't like how to improve this particular game, but how do we talk to players more generally about narratives so that we can like get all, like actionable data on any game that we might want to test right. rather than this particular one. So we talked about a whole bunch of games. I gave a couple of examples from um, sort of Skyrim and Fable, but um, we also talked a lot about Batman Arkham City, which has a great, great, great first hour, and we did a sort of deep dive into what people remembered and what people didn't remember there and things like that. So um, I don't know if I can go into all that without just repeating the entire <laughs> 
fair talk, which might be a little a little bit more than you actually want. But what, what was there any like? What was the big lesson from from Batman then? Like, what what was it about that first hour that? players took so much from that you found? So there were a couple of things. I mean, first of all, let me just say that it really has a smoke in first hour. Like, and I can say that as somebody who's tested a lot of things and they can do all sorts of comparisons. It's a really solid first hour. Um, and there were you know, some interesting things about it. So for instance, the fact that the way that players reported how much they liked Batman was correlated to how much they reported feeling like they were playing as Batman, like they actually were Batman, which is a really sort of great narrative finding. Um, the other stuff that we've had was really, and I don't think that these these things are at all specific to Batman, um, but it had to do with the you know precisely what you brought up earlier, which is that players really sort of were remembering things in terms of the missions that they were completing rather than in terms of the sort of overall story arc, right. which was really interesting to see. And we sort of thought about why that might be happening and you know, were there other things that, that teams could be doing more generally to sort of help with that and, you know, align the, align the storytelling more closely with um, the player rather than um, ending up with the player ignoring key bits of the, the, the story that you were trying to tell because they were so excited about this awesome gameplay or something like right. that. Right. So that's do, what we did with that. Do you, like, one of the things that's interesting about games is that, like, the, the, the sheer length of them is so different, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, a lot different than most other mediums. You know, not that books can't be longer, movies can't be longer, but like you kind of have a general expectation when you go into any other medium how long something's going to be. But games, be a two-hour experience, could be 40 hours. Like, how do you guys sort of compensate for that in terms of figuring out, you know, how to measure whether this stuff is effective given that, you know, the first hour of a, a big RPG, way different than the first hour of like an, an action game like Batman that is only 10 to 12 hours long. Yeah. So, I mean, it all depends on the specific game. So a lot of the stuff we're doing is really about improving the the um, products that we're currently working with. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, you are as paired with a design team and they are working on an individual product. And so really what we care about is making that particular product right. better rather than um, talking about it in sort of generalities, which is sort of a thing that's a little bit unusual, I suppose. Um, it's very, very, very product-driven in that regard. And it's the kind of thing where we absolutely recognize that there are all sorts of challenges. I know... Um, Richard is going to go and talk with Tom about the sort of struggles that they have with the three-act structure, in part because of the length of time that people spend um, in games, that it can it can raise a lot of problems and things like that. Now, what the solutions are is, of course, up to design, um, but my part of it is making sure that we test whatever whatever solutions they are trying out and see, are these actually resolving the issues that, they are, that players are having, or are we just creating new ones or what's going on like things things don't always move forward sometimes they go backwards so we just got to keep track of that and, and I guess any sort of uh, wrapping this up I'm curious you know it, it these days there's so much data right and you can you can you can analyze everything and obviously some of it's useful some of it's not useful like how do you in working with design teams uh, and, and as someone who's coming up with those metrics like stop from drowning in data because I imagine like you know there is sort of like a, a special sauce to all this stuff sort of a gut feeling that data is not going to answer everything but data is obviously useful so how do you try and strike that balance well we start off with a good question is the answer we go in knowing we have questions these are the things that we want to know about and then we can target the data that we collect based on that so absolutely you can drown yourself in data and not only that but you can generate data that is misleading because you're not doing it cleanly because you haven't thought about all the ways that you can um, bias the data and things like that so it's really really important the first stuff in any any good any good research I cannot <laughs> emphasize this enough is to go in knowing what you're trying to find answers about like go in with your questions and then build your methods from there um, to be able to get clean data that isn't completely overwhelming. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much.